One Week Season. is one week season week in review i love that music um thanks to our good friend sonic librarian for putting that together um gets me fired up every time and i will be joined in a minute by a man who once again played lineups this week and we will go over our process and darn it we deserve some good news we're just going to talk about some results from the beginning this time. But first, let me bring in a man who is very easy to beat at pool because he refuses to endanger the one ball, Mark Garcia, also known as Hilo. Mark, how are you today? What is up, man? I'm actually really good at pool, so you watch yourself. I am not surprised. You are a very (laughs) talented individual. I loved uh, pool and ping pong growing up. So um, a couple of my good buddies had pool tables. So I got a ping pong table and we would just live at each other's house over the summer and stuff. And yeah, we got pretty good. I was pretty good at ping pong later in life for a guy who had never played it. Um, I always had quick hands and I was um, very, uh, you know, well above average at darts. Oh, and, yeah. Um, I held, believe it or not, I held many bar records in Papa Shot. In what? What is that? Papa Shot, the basketball. Oh, the game basketball. Ah, you... oh, yeah. <laughs> I was I was a basketball player, and I learned how to play Papa Shot really well. And at one time, this one bar in the '80s in Jersey City, I held the record by 15 points. You know how it's normally like people are getting close to you and. I literally just would go so fast. And one time I didn't miss a shot. Like I could never, I, I, you know how you ever do something so well, you know, you could never beat it. I knew I could never yeah. beat that score myself. And they would joke that someone had beaten my score, but they were just lying. It was, uh, so I, w- I was, uh, even, even at my advanced age, I could take most people at pop shot, I think. Dude, you should go to uh, you should go to like Dave and Buster's or something where they have those. You could rack up, dude. You could get yourself like a pressure cooker or something. I literally, <laughs> I literally pulled a hamstring doing that recently. <laughs> like the last time I tried doing it, my I was either my calf or my hammy from being in that position too long. Yeah. Um, I am I am grossly out of shape, and uh, you know, uh, unless a girl was on the line, I do and and. I'm not saying if I win, you get the girl, but unless I could impress a girl uh, through my exploits with Papa Shot, I don't think that I could be tempted too much. I I I get my jollies these days through fantasy football. Um, looks like I am going to get three out of 11 teams into the semifinals in FFPC. Each one should have a one in 12 shot of getting to the finals. Um, there's still a chance for some tomfuckery uh, to happen and for me to lose yeah. one or more of them. But um, the odds are in my favor. And I have a very slight outside chance of four if Odell Beckham goes off. 
Um, I haven't sat there with draft because it's just harder to look everything up. Um, but right now, nine out of 36 advancing is a very good advancing rate on draft. So I am hoping for not much activity tonight um, from Cooper Cup, who I am underweight on. Yeah, man, I uh, I got it's looking like I'll have four to five teams advancing in the DK Millie. Uh, that was out of 50 that I drafted originally. Um, but that's not bad for the oh, wait, first round, yeah, yeah. But the uh, Tyreek, how, how many advanced out of your 50? Uh, like I was right at like 22 percent, so it was like 11. So, right. getting so, yeah, getting, so you had about 12 advance, and so four out of 12 this round, yeah. So, that's a pretty good advance rate, but they are all either Tyreek or Kelsey, who are each on the COVID list, and all four of them have Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who just popped as well, so we shall see. Wait, so Kelsey, so Tyreek ended up on the list too? Yeah, Tyreek, uh, that was a couple hours ago, and then mere minutes ago before we are recording this, MBS popped as well. So MBS popped with Cole Beasley. Uh, they both grabbed it. Uh, that was the latest round of <laughs> of players who popped. Uh, well, Cole Beasley being not vaccinated, that means he's missing. Yeah, he's uh, out. This week, he's out. Um, I don't know what Hill is, but with the, the you know, if he's asymptomatic, yeah. Although now, why would they even pop on the list unless they had symptoms? Well, yeah, that's the other thing. So, like, when are they – they said that they were going to institute those new changes immediately, but then, like, 47 players popped new positive yesterday, and I highly doubt that all 47 of them were symptomatic that sought testing, you know? I don't know. I mean, it it does take away some of the enjoyment down the stretch here. You know, you work so hard um, and, you know, what, what what's interesting is, you know, like Eckler, I, you know, one of my three teams that adv- looks like it's going to advance has Eckler. Um, I don't think m- any of my three teams advancing had Kelsey. Now I have to go look at Tyreek. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, but it, it's it's discouraging because. Uh, I, you know, I will say this. The one team I have has Josh Allen and it has, um, what's his name? Gabe Davis. Oh, yeah. So if he doesn't end up on the list, if it, both of them are free uh, with Beasley out, it could be it could be good for that team. Um, I don't see Kelsey and I don't see Hill on this one. I know everyone is like dying to know uh, what my <laughs> teams have and they don't have, uh, but I care. And now I have to do it. And, you know, one of the things that makes this show, I think what it is, uh, second team has neither um, has Jonathan Taylor. That team is the most fragile though, going into tonight. And but supposedly, of course, that's the one I split with Billy Musio. That one, um, it needs like 60 points from Metcalf and uh, Russ to take us down. And the third team is this one. And it has Valdez Scantling. It has no Tyreek. So 
Um, I oh, it does have Tyreek. So one of mine does have Tyreek. Um, that would end Valdez Scantling. So that team would be in a lot of trouble. Um, should uh, should uh, they not come back? So um, let's yeah. talk. You know, it was a week where we actually had some very big winners. I know we normally talk process before we talk uh, about results, but you know, we're in week fifteen. And as much as process is important and we do want to cover it, Mark, um, all the tomfuckery with COVID has rendered a lot of strategy less than ideal, wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, not necessarily because, I mean, the strategy, you're still got to work from a solid base. It's just pretty much like increase the variance to a level where like it's hard to even account for it. So like in building these lineups, uh, these rosters each week, it's like so much can, can happen and has happened this season um, that it's like, yeah, it's still enjoyable and yeah, we still need to have the process down, but um, it can be frustrating. And I've, I've sensed frustration amongst some of the uh, OWS fam about, you know, Hey, we're, we're all, looking at the same things and I see people throwing binks left and right. And it hasn't happened to me. Um, to that, I, I basically just say like, Hey, the process we can't control, we can only control what we can control. Right. And the rest is a little bit of that luck factor that it has to fall into place. We have to have variants go our way a couple of times, but we can take those steps to lower the amount of things that have to go right for us, you know, manage that variance where we can. Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> I'm going to start with me this week. Normally I play more of the backup role, uh, but I felt like I had a pretty good strategy this week, which was to um, trying to get a floor. Right. And unfortunately, some, a lot of the guys who I thought had a floor didn't get there. Uh, mm-hmm. But I was on James Robinson I, about 50%. I thought that would be an over position. It wasn't. The one guy I spent on uh, 50% also was Devontae Adams. Uh, I know JM felt he was the best play on the slate. I felt he was the best play on the slate. And it just didn't happen. Uh, but what I did was I avoided the high-priced quarterbacks for the most part. And wanted to mix a, 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 a wide swath of the lower price guys, most of them with only one guy coming back, and then trying to mix them with as many good plays as possible. And the guy that I ended up with 21% of was Tyler Huntley. Um, I just felt that he was, you know, he looked really good the week before. Um, I already was on Mark Andrews. And you were on Mark Andrews as well, right, Hilo? Yeah, I, uh, I I basically did what I said in the Saturday pod. I only played Andrews and Dawson Knox for a bit of leverage. Yeah, and um, and that worked out really good. Um, I came in fifteenth in the slant, and what was frustrating was um, while a lot of the people ahead of me had Tyler. Huntley and Mark Andrews, and 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 probably Devonte Adams. This was a lineup that I had hand tweaked. 
And basically what I do is I run the optimizer and then I check all the lineups and um, uh, most of them end up getting a minor tweak here and there. But this one, I intentionally took James Robinson out and put in uh, A.J. Dillon. If I hadn't have done that, I would have ended up like fifth. But um, mm. having Dillon and Adams, along with Huntley and Andrews, um, and did I also have A.J. Br uh, Brown in that one? Let me look. So I got $500 for coming in 14th place. Oh, I thought it was 15. Um, I had Huntley, Dylan, uh, Jeff Wilson, Brandon Cooks, A.J. Green, LaVisca Chenault, Mark Andrews, Devontae Adams, and Cowboys D. And it's kind of amazing that that team came in 14th. Uh, but it was incredibly frustrating um, and I know that a lot of guys in chat wanted the games to end because they had big days. Uh, for me, it was frustrating when they went for two because nobody had those four guys ahead of me. And I ended up, I don't think I would have won it. I was uh, almost uh, 30 points behind. Uh, but second place was only 14 points away. Um and you know the the money really gets tight um, once you get to the top five. That's where the money is. Yeah, yeah. So that sure. that was frustrating. Yeah, it was a, a bit of a frustrating week for me too, in the sense that I had all the right pieces, but I only played three lineups, and they didn't come together uh, in the most optimal way. So, like, I had uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. I had. Uh, Brandon Cooks, you know, I had all these plays. I had obviously Mark Andrews, uh, Cowboys defense. I was very high on. So I had all these pieces um, and I just went hundred percent James Robinson. Uh, like we talked about my favorite after, after the podcast and into Sunday morning, my favorite leverage on the slate became Cam Newton. So I actually played one of three Cam Newton. Um, he ended up putting up, you know, the second, uh, or third, probably behind both of the quarterbacks in the Green Bay game. Um, I, so he put up 24.34 points uh, with that rushing score and 71 rushing yards. So I really liked Cam, um, and I really, really liked pairing him with Robbie Anderson because he was in that same range where I thought that there was going to be a lot of um, players going overlooked because we had it was kind of like a extremes week as far as wide receivers go, because we had the two uh, low price guys with Gabriel Davis and, uh, and Devonte Parker. Um, so I figured he was kind of in that dead zone where no one was going to be playing him and he was coming off a game with 12 targets. So uh, he ended up making my cam roster. Uh, and, um, of course we saw the typical cam Newton off target throws and, and Robbie Anderson getting all these targets and not being able to do anything with it. But um I liked him to kind of up his usage as well this week. And we saw two or three rushing attempts from him as well. So he was kind of like a super contrarian. Cam Newton came at 0.5% ownership and Robbie Anderson was like 1.3. Uh, so that was kind of my super contrarian stance on that roster. But yeah, just nothing. I got all the pieces, which made it a slightly profitable week, but I wasn't able to get all of them on the same roster. Um. I had my first profitable week since week one, um, but it could have been a lot better, obviously, if I had gotten 
um, that last little bit of uh, joy. Um, <clears throat> you know, I Huntley was only 3.7% owned in the slant. Dylan was 3.6% owned. And LaVisca was 3.1%. So I had plenty of low-priced guys. Um, in fact, I had nobody in that lineup that, well, I did have Devontae at 367 after that, Jeff Wilson at 17. So, you know, we've talked about it a lot. You don't need that many, you know, hindsight being 2020. Um, you know, I don't know that, uh, you know, most of I did not force Chenault with Cooks, but I did put in a boost to Jacksonville wide receivers with Cooks, a small one. And I guess it came through. AJ Green was my favorite play on the slate. And, you know, you know, someone was giving me crap about it. And I'm like, oh, so you predicted that Arizona was just going to completely crap the bed. And he was like, well, no. And I'm like, all right, well, th- then what? You know, so A.J. Green was one of my favorite plays on the week because I felt that it was a great spot with a great score. And too many people were confident that the, the winning guy was Christian Kirk. Um, and it just worked out that the the field was right this time, but I I have zero regrets with that one. Yeah, and something was amiss with AJ Green this week. His his head wasn't in it or something. He was. In I noticed that. Match. Yeah, he he got in a spouting match with uh, Kyler on the sideline after uh, one of Kyler's picks because uh, it was thrown towards AJ Green. Yeah, he obviously cut the wrong way because. Um, I saw Kyler yelling at him on the field after that pick. I was watching it. Yeah. You know, because I had so much of that game. I had uh, a lot. of, and, and this one, I think, was bad process. Edmonds, you know, I was taking the chance that he would, you know, that James Conner was more banged up than we thought, which that I don't regret. But I didn't need to go 20% on Chase Edmonds, and I did. Yeah, you could have been overweight with 5% for sure. Uh, I don't know about that, but uh, let's see what he was on. Let me find one. He was 7.7. Oh, wow. That's way higher. I would not want to play him nearing 10%, actually. Yeah, it was that one I'm not crazy about. Um, You know, hindsight being 2020, um, uh, uh, you know, a guy that I threw in a little bit, that you recommended was Devin Singletary. What was it about that play that you liked? It's just the the extreme ownership of the wide receivers from that game. Um, when basically we could have expected Gabe Davis to realistically step into a similar role and snap rate as Emmanuel Sanders. And Emmanuel Sanders had, it's been five, six weeks since he saw over six targets. So um, I also thought that Buffalo would control that game with their defense. We saw them create multiple short fields uh, opportunities. And I just thought that with um, with Zach Moss being held out as a healthy and active again, I figured Devin Singletary would see 80% plus snap rate. He ended up, it was like 92% this week. Um, so that kind of fell into place. He did end up getting the um, the rushing score realistically he still would have needed um outlier efficiency because he was never going to see you know 20 to 23 rush attempts uh to hit that rushing bonus so it was basically just a yardage and touchdown play uh with 
a high leverage chance, um, high leverage opportunity, I guess. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, another thing that you were on that didn't work, and it's kind of mind boggling, is um, the Gaskin and the Dolphins defense. Um, yeah. Nobody could have predicted the Duke Johnson thing. Um, so, you know, from a process standpoint, we can't, you know, a Miami running back killed it. Um, how did the defense do? They fell on their face, I think. Um, I think it was like five, six, seven points, something like that. Maybe a little less. I can't remember, honestly. Um, okay. Yeah, but it was like, it was Dallas defense or, or what, Pitt, that were really the two differentiators this week. Yeah, and I knew, uh, I think JM was on Pitt, and I think Zandemir might have been as well. Yeah, I didn't play any Pitt. I played Dallas in two out of three lineups, but... Yeah, give me a sec. I could tell you what mine was. Um, you know, and and I let the optim and this is pre uh tweaking. Um so um I could tell you what my highest owned defenses were. Um so I had 14% Tennessee, 11% Jets, 11% Green Bay, 10% Dallas, 10% Miami, 10% Pittsburgh, 10% San Francisco, and 8% Arizona, and then a little bit of other things here and there. Um, so um, basically, my strategy with defense was, you know, from an MME perspective, was to put in the ceiling that uh, the Blitz had for each guy. And then I limited my Buffalo exposure to a maximum of five and my Jacksonville to a maximum of two. Um, basically, they were projected for 24 and 18%, and they were easy fades for me. Um, I left Miami alone, uh, but I still ended up with 10 versus 15, which was fine. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Um, Yep. Um, I thought Mark Andrews was a stunningly good play. Um, you know, uh, he was expected to have a low ownership. The field was way too excited about George Kittle. And um, that one worked out for us. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, I mean, I not that I regret not putting him in three of three because uh, I played Knox, but I, I liked the leverage off of Knox. So I wanted a, a piece of him as well. Yeah, I don't think Knox was a bad play for, you know, two out of three for Andrews, um, I thought was good. I, I just felt like, you know, besides them being so, uh, oh, the field being over exuberant on Kittle, kind of an old fashioned DFS um, exuberance. Um, I felt that that was uh, bad. Um you know, and that um, I also felt that Huntley had shown a Andrews first mentality. And a lot of times I find with these backups, much more than starters, especially young quarterbacks, they tend to focus in on one player. Um, mm -hmm. And that's why I liked uh, Andrews. And I think I had 31% Andrews. Yeah. Wow. That might, what is that? Might be your highest owned player all year, right? 
Um, no, I, I end up with, uh, you know, I'm not afraid of, uh, it, it, you're thinking of best ball where I end up with 23% pretty much max. Um, okay. DFS, I'm perfectly content having guys. In fact, a few years ago when I was real successful, um, and I felt there was, st- you know, before DraftKings changed their, their, uh, their, their, sa- their salary structure and there was a lot more values out there. I regularly had four or five guys over 50% every week. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not afraid of ownership. Um, I think that's a place where you got to nut up a little bit. Um, but what I have found, and this is a good strategy point in uh, for MME folks, uh, we have seen that it's much harder this year to differentiate through the quarterback position. So I am that, and that that led to my strategy of fade the high price quarterbacks. I don't know which low price quarterback's going to go off, so I want a smattering of all of them, and almost all of them. The only one I took out was Cam Newton, um, <laughs> but Huntley was clearly my favorite um, because I felt that um, you know I knew where the ball was probably going to go, and I was pretty happy with that decision. Yep, I like that. But uh, in general, uh, what do you think about not trying to differentiate a quarterback? From a, from a, I guess it doesn't, not that it doesn't matter. I'm trying to think of the way to say this. Quarterback ownership has been much more spread out this season than it has been in years past. And so I don't think that it is ever going to be, or at least for the you know immediate future, the rest of this season, it's not going to be a primary, um, a primary roster construction funnel as much as I actually, let me rephrase that. Well, this it's, year, this week was a little different that we had three high price quarterbacks expected to have 50% ownership. Hence my strategy of going, I had like 15% Kyler, and then really almost nothing of the other two expensive quarterbacks. And even Rodgers, I felt like for that game to take off and Rodgers to be, um, you know, Huntley was going to have to do something or they were going to slow down that game. So why not just put it on the lower price guy? Um, That was kind of my feeling. Yeah, so I basically articulated that very poorly. Single spot ownership is not as big of a deal as – like allocation of salary from a roster construction standpoint in today's like DFS. So that this past week was a perfect example of that. You know, the top, you know, three of the last or the top four ownership quarterbacks were the three of the top four in pricing. So we knew that on a week with not a lot of certainty, people were likely to pay up uh, for perceived certainty at the quarterback position. So yeah, I was, uh, I, I ran Davis Mills. Uh, in one, I ran Cam Newton in one, and then I ran uh, Huntley in one. So I was uh, three out of three at 5,500 and below. Yeah, I very much um, like the Davis Mills play this week. I had 10% of him, and, you know, Brandon Cooks did go off, and and, and Mills did okay. Um, you know, my again, my strategy, and I still think it was a good one, was you know, not be afraid of Adams and not be afraid of Robinson. Go deep on those guys. 
try and get as many guys with a floor as I could around them and then mix up my quarterbacks in the low price range trying to hit that one combo. Uh, but counting on the chalk, as we've seen it quite often, take you to the near the top. Um, and, so, and so, again, we talk a lot about, you know, differentiating in that you don't need to, you know, have a bunch. You and I have talked personally about how you don't need five guys under 5% uh, to win a tournament. Uh, my feeling was this week was a 200-point week. You know, we weren't going to see scores much above it. So give me a floor. Give me guys who uh, I knew were going, you know, to uh, get there. Um, and I just fell a little short. Um, that's uh, that's it. We also were on Claypool. He failed. Yep. I have no regrets on Claypool. Final thoughts of the week, Mark. I, a lot of guys in chat were bitching about the Claypool play. I, if I had it to over to do again, I would still play over on Claypool. I was 100% Claypool, and that's what kept me from a, uh, a better week. <laughs> it's like, it was barely profitable, but uh, yeah, 100% Claypool, and I was 100% Miles Gaskin. So um, those were two spots wow. where I took a stand. Yeah, all three of my lineups this week. So That sounds like my life the last, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, you know it's, it's just unfortunate. But anyway, that's going to do it for this week. Um, it's a short week and, uh, we got more craziness as we discussed, we discussed COVID, uh, for those of you out there like me, who've got a lot riding on best ball tonight, good luck. And we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.